Yeah. What's your favorite part of Christmas? Dressing up the Christmas tree. When we get to have all the food. Getting Christmas presents. Getting out of my room, peeking the corner, and seeing where Santa Claus is. What's your least favorite part? Last year, the tree was fake, and we could see right through it. My brother cried because he's scared of Santa, but I'm not. What kinds of things do you like to do in the snow? Play in the snow. I like to make snowmen, make snow angels, slide down hills, snowball fights. And then I like to skate, but it's really hard. I can't even do it. Whose birthday is on Christmas? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is. Santa's. I mean, I mean, Jesus. And where was Jesus born? In a tent. In a stable. At a hospital. In Bethlehem. In Oklahoma. What kind of animals were there? Sheep and cows, horses, chickens, camels, pigs, elephants, bunnies and rappers, seagrass, dogs and kitties. Why do other people get presents on Jesus' birthday? Um, because they've been good. Well, they gave presents to him when he was born and we give gifts to each other. Because Jesus was the gift from God. What do you think is Jesus' favorite part of Christmas? Just seeing people happy. See how everyone's being kind to one another. Probably the missions for all the homeless people. If you could give Jesus a present, what would you give him? A puppy dog. A snowball. A little bear, and he loves it. I'll give him all my toys. My love. My heart. Everything I had. Why do you think Jesus came to live with us? Because he loves everybody the mostest. Because he wanted us to be good and not bad. He's God's son and that was what God wanted him to do. And that way he could fix out all the problems that were happening. He felt like we were more important than him. I think he loves us very much. Why is Christmas so special? Jesus was born on that day. Because you share it with your friends and family. It's a day where we can spend time and we get to give presents to other people. It's about sharing. We get to praise on Jesus. I love it. Merry Christmas, everybody. Christmas E3. We're excited to do a children's time. If there's any kids in the lobby who would like to come up and get fruit snacks, can you give them a second to come up? We are excited to have this this time with kiddo, kiddo, singular. We had like 20-some five up on the second server, first service. Mike, you want to come up? You want to be a kid? Cool, cool, cool. So this way, Mike can give some fake answers that are true or not. And excited to, maybe some of our kids coming up? No, maybe, no, yep. I saw somebody peek through and then they went away. That's okay. We're gonna do this just mono, imano, and mic, okay? So in, oh, 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 you coming up? Yes! Gotta go. Thanks, Mike. All right, so in our service tonight, we're talking about stories. Do you guys like stories? Yeah. What's your favorite story? David and Goliath, great Bible story, 10,000 points. 
The whole Bible. Oh my gosh, a million billion points. Good, you're good. Any other good stories? Say the whole Bible. Okay, do you like stories that aren't the Bible sometimes? Yeah. Goldilocks and the Three Bears? No? Okay, okay, okay. You... Harry Potter, very good. It's, I'm putting you on the spot in front of a bunch of people. And there's thousands of people watching online right now. There's no pressure, good. So think about this. Do you like romances? Oh, gross. Yeah, 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 yeah. Romance is gross. What about adventures? Yeah. Do you like it when there's a hero in the story? Do you like it when there's a villain in the story? Yeah. Sometimes in Christmas time, we tell this story that involves Jesus. And we're going to light candles in a second. But here's what I want you to do. During the service, I have these bags. It's up to your moms or dads or whoever's guarding you tonight. There's these pieces of paper, and they're all out of order, these pages to the story. And what we're going to do is my friend Matt's going to put on the screen a picture. And you have to go... I was going to say, did you find the right one? Let's see. Helps if they're the right way, okay? Now, children's messages always have some sort of hiccup, and this, you know, I had them the wrong way. These pictures are all out of order, and I need you to put the story of Christmas in the right order, and you're going to follow Mr. Matt, and he's going to put up these pictures one after another after another in an order that's going to make you a book. There's some pages where you're going to have to draw and color. You're going to have to fill in information. And so in the bag, luckily, we have... dun 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 crayons. And maybe this one was defective. Here it is, a pen. So you have to draw even you sitting in the service. Does that make sense? And then inside there's sticky notes because you need sticky notes for everything. And there's also, friends, if you don't know the power of sticky notes with a child, it is magic. Yes. That's fair. Me too. And I have them all over my office. We also have granola bar and we have a fruit snack of your choice. Make sense? Okay, so what I want you to do is when we dismiss after we light Jesus' candle, we're going to have you pick one of these, and you're going to do this while the message goes along. Make sense? Awesome. All right, now, up here, this is the part that's super fun, because in our story, Jesus is told, and we light candles instead of on our story of our birthdays, what do we do with our candles? We blow them out. So we're going to light this candle because it means that Jesus comes in in these different phases, in these different ways. And so we talked through all these different candles over the last several weeks. And this one we call joy. Sorry, this one's joy. I apologize. This one is hope, peace, and love. And the center one, when we light it, it means that Christmas is here. It's actually Christmas time. And so what I want you to do is I'm going to light the candle. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to light this one. When I count to three, we're going to light it. We're going to say, happy birthday, Jesus. Make sense? Yeah? You're not too scared about this. Everybody's watching you. You can't mess this up, Okay. (laughs) You ready? This is the fun part of the service. We get to play with fire. Okay. Are you sure you're ready? Okay. One, two, three. Happy birthday, Jesus. Yay. I'm going to pray for you too, and we're going to keep going in our service, okay? Father, I thank you for this opportunity we have just to share a message together. And God, I pray for each one of these awesome kiddos and for all our kiddos at E3 that they may know who you are by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit in their lives, for the presence of your Son, Jesus Christ, guiding them in every move they make, and for their identity made in your image, God, God's self. We say together, amen. Amen. Grab one of these bags. There's enough for you even to take two, but don't tell the kids in the first service.
Welcome back to me. We are excited to share a message tonight as we go through our Christmas Eve. And we're excited to get into this idea of Christmas as a story told from three different stances. We have the presence of us looking at it from a future perspective, awaiting this child to be born, of all places, in Bethlehem to an unknown Jewish carpenter. We have the presence of the story being told in the present day based on the books that we have of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then we also look back upon it as I'm sitting here listening to a preacher preach on and on and on. But luckily, friends, this isn't my first time doing this sermon. I've cut out things, and you're going to get out a whole 47 seconds faster than that first second, first service did. All seriousness, we'd invite you back to come in uh, January 1, and we'll start a new series called Payday, which is very apropos because if you haven't noticed, our financial world just seems a little bit crazy right now, and we're going to have some different experts, including myself, talk not only what finances are and what they're made for for the kingdom of God, but also just how to practically help you out in this unknown season as we entered into 2023. But tonight, I want to say something that is obvious. There's nothing like crafting a really good story. We have stories of bedtimes. We have stories around campfires. We have stories that you tell one time a year like we do tonight. And then there are stories that come through different life experiences, different moments. And then there are the dreams that you look forward to, those stories of the future. As a child, my story was always facing forward. And the question I was always asked as a child is, what will you be when you grow up? And my answer usually was, I'm going to be an astronaut exploring galaxies, or I'll be a ninja scaling walls, or I'll be a CIA agent cracking the case. It was never that I would be preaching to a congregation as a pastor. It was always something unbelievable. And then I, you know, grew up and became what I am. And it's not, not CIA agent material, apparently. But in all seriousness, we see this same stance from Micah to Isaiah, all the way back to the book of Numbers, looking towards the future, that Christmas was an event that was to be told from the stance of the future. See, friends, in the beginning was God. If you're watching with your books, kiddos, this is the first page. And Jesus and spirit. And the God who is three in one, who made all things outside of time, knew all time and all freedom, creation at that moment, they made everything including time and including timing. The God knew about you and every possible version of you, which should be humbling as it is comforting. And God, God allows us free will to choose him or to choose the lie that somehow we are God. And over and over and over, humanity historically chose ourselves. In response to sin, God set out a rescue plan for earth. And this is where our Christmas story begins, in creation and looking forward to what Jesus would be for all humanity. The rescue plan of Christ's birth is told 700 years, 700 years before Jesus we have in Isaiah, and 500 years we hear about Jesus from the prophet Malachi. And some 1,500 years before Jesus prophesies were formed, this birth in the book of Numbers. This is a huge future orientation. You think about the question that was asked to me, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's a 10 to 20 to 30 to 40 year question. What am I going to be in 40 years? The Israelite people are asking, who will our Messiah be in hundreds, if not thousands of years? And it orients around his birth. We see 
Then in Isaiah 7, 14, the prophet writes this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And the book of Malachi writes it in this way. But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come forth from Jacob, and a scepter shall rise from Israel, and shall crush through the forehead of Moab and tear down all the sons of Sheth. From Numbers twenty four seventeen. But most of the stories that I tell today are in present day. I see things as they happen, as it occurs, and my story is told in the moment. I say, just guess just what happened to me or what is happening to me right here, right now. Present day stories must be told amidst the discerning in the moment where God moves and where God is moving. And it's disorienting because you are living and telling the story in real time. I share with others the miracle of adopting four kiddos, of having our firstborn, Evelyn, born and come to us in a time where we were not expecting her to come quite so quickly. We were thinking years, and she came in merely weeks. For James, who is born prematurely, and though he's about this tall and this wide now, we believe that he, I know he's sitting right there. It's okay, James. I can say how proud of you I am. He was born in a way that was so disorienting because in real time, here's a two-pound infant. For Ezekiel, who we expected to be four to seven years old because that's the box we checked to do foster care and hear a baby one day out of the oven comes to our doorstep with us having nothing ready. And Lillian's, who is so miraculous and so unbelievable, the real-time orientation of telling the stories is disorienting because you don't know where God is and what God is doing necessarily. And now all of a sudden I'm in a place far away from what I considered my home in a new pastorate where there's constant bickering about hurricanes, gators, and Seminoles. Meanwhile, the rattlers are pretty cool. The same disorientation surrounds characters like Mary. We often think of her from the vantage point we have, that it's just a, a person. And though it was exciting, certainly it wasn't that chaotic. But this Mary, who hears an angel tell her she's going to be pregnant, and friends, she knew what it took to do that, while also engaged, has to be terrifying. Just like adopting children, just like being a pastor, or just like moving to a foreign land, barely keeping it together. That's what living in the moment does. It seems like for a short while, maybe just even a moment, yet it feels like an eternity. But these days are the days you are forged, are called, are prepared for the testimony for your life for as many days as you are. It isn't an age. It isn't a moment necessarily. For some, it happens over and over and over. For some others, it takes years for this present orientation to go away. Some of us will be 16, 26. Some may be 66 or even 96 years old. The point is, is that present day orientation is hard. And they go with the unpredictability of life. Some of us are experiencing these moments right now in our lives as illustrated in the Gospel of Matthew. 
This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. From the Gospel of Luke, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This is the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the village and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, with a child. Present stories don't care about your stations in life, your preparations or your past or your future. God says, go, so you go. And the shepherds, who were the lowliest of all vocations of Jesus' day, were the last, or sorry, excuse me, were the first to behold the Christ. God's salvation chose them among all the people to behold Jesus first, to proclaim God's salvation first, and to, as vocational descendants of David, the good shepherd, show who this Messiah was to be. God changed their present story from guarding sheep nonstop to likely abandoning their livelihood and their entire lives to see the Christ. Can you imagine, let's just pick a date, January 9th, you're driving down the road, you always drive down, and all of a sudden, sitting shotgun, or if you have somebody already sitting there, sitting in the back seat, is an angel of the Lord, who says, don't go the way you always seem to go, take a left. I'm going to show you something unbelievable in your life. We see that this image of this angel before the shepherds is a present orientation of the story unfolding right before their eyes. The rescuer is here. And you may feel unimportant, friends, in your work in God's salvation plan, but trust me, these shepherds felt less so. They were chosen to have a lifetime of loneliness, to have nothing in their lives, so to speak. Yet they are the present-day witnesses to what all humanity yearned for. When the, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what has been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherd, shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And then there are stories about the past. Stories about where you were when something amazing happened or equally something horrifying. Many of these happen in national events like Pearl Harbor, the assassination of Kennedy, the Berlin Wall falling, 9-11, the 2020 pandemic. There is a list that goes along of these events that regardless of station or wealth or worldview, determining what factor you take in, all of you take part of them because you're forced to be witnesses of the stories of the past. I'm just starting to tell these about many elements of my own life and have enjoyed this difficult but beautiful switch in my orientation of telling the story. 
the story of my life. These stories ask, where am I right here, right now, based upon these past events? And kids, make sure you draw a good pic of where you're sitting in church right now. We are all a product of our past that's brought us here. For some, this is the first time coming to the church since the pandemic. Or maybe this is your first time ever. Welcome. God has a direct line of saying, I see you and I love you through this Christmas story. For others, the story of Christmas has become a bit static and we find ourselves yearning for the innocence of that child that is somewhat haphazardly trying to parse together my puzzle called life. For all, no matter what our stance is, we are seeking what we call a miracle. Or as many storytellers would say, the climax of the story. What's the high point that all the things will build up to and then come down from? No, friends, miracles are different than a climax of a story. Because miracles stand outside of time, they orient all things around it in a sort of black hole of time, where time doesn't make any sense. And all our stories look for that. Whether sci-fi, romance, adventure, or self-help, we all look for the unbelievable change, no matter how impossible. It's that one year where we have a white Christmas in Tallahassee, the miracle of snow when there is none in the forecast. How amazing would it be to see snow after the service? But in all seriousness, miracles often in our own testimonies and all time revolves around them, revolves around these miracles that define our own timelines, moments with children, a reunion, a restoration, forgiveness, family, or health. We need these Christmas miracles in all of our stories, but too often we think ourselves unworthy. We need the redemptive moment, the climax, in all honesty, All our stories are trying to recreate the sense of what we all have. We are in need of God. We all have this God-sized hole in our heart, and we are missing the divine to speak into and make sense of what life is and what life isn't in our own stories. And this is what Christmas brings. There's one page that we are missing And this page breaks the mold of time. Neither past nor present nor future can behold it. It goes like this. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who's pledged to be married to him as expecting child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in the manger, because there's no guest room available for them. Kids and adults, and maybe more so adults, this page is so important, it deserves its own book. It puts us outside of time to remember this baby who was born into a world to rescue it, to bring hope, peace, joy, and love. This Christmas, lean into the work that Jesus knows the miracle you need to recast your stance of the own stories you tell and to embrace that we can realize that God calls us into his story one moment at a time. With that, we're going to transition to one of my favorite times of the year in my personal story because it sets us a moment apart from the busyness and chaos of life 
to breathe in and remember that Christ wants to be with me. And that is passing around the flame and singing Silent Night. It's one of the favorite traditions that many of us carry from whatever Christian traditions we came from. And tonight, we're going to do that in a moment. But of course, we have to have a couple safety demonstrations, just real quick. Know thy child. If thy child is able to hold fire, great. If they are not, maybe have them help you hold the candle together. In a moment, I will light from the Christ candle and symbolically pass it around slowly to each person as we go through this last song, and we will sing together. Actually, I won't pass around to each person. I will light Pastor Mike's candle, and I will light your candle to start, and then we'll pass it around through the whole building. I said that a little differently wrong last time. If you are lighting, here's how you light, because there's a way to do this. Watch out for hair. It is a problem in churches throughout the world tonight. But in all seriousness, if you have your candle lit, you hold it straight up and down. If you are the one lighting, you lean it in on, your, in, on the candle that's lit. Make sense, everybody? All right. I feel like I'm doing a, uh, you know, if I'm doing the stewardess thing on the, on the airplane. No one's paying attention right now. I'm just saying words. You've all zoned out. Back to seriousness. Back to seriousness. This is a moment where we can take this story and symbolically and in real life, in real matter, hold Christ near to us. That we just miss out on so many other Sundays. That lighting it from the Christ candle, the presence of Jesus is held by you, but wants to be so intimately close to you and know you so much that Christ, God, became a baby. God divine put on flesh and understands what hunger is, understands what thirst is, understands each and every part of who you are and every experience you've had in your life. Whether from the past, whether living right now in the present or looking forward to the future, Christ wants to be with you. And so we sing the song Silent Night knowing that it's much more than a lullaby that Mary may have sang in Hebrew to Jesus, but this song represents our desire to be with this Christ child and the reorientation of each one of our stories here tonight. So in a moment, I'm going to pray, and then we'll begin to sing and hold up the candle of everlasting light as a sign and a symbol of the end of our Christmas Eve service. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this night. I thank you for this ability to come together, not as perfect Christian saints, but as Wobegons, looking for your presence in our life, that none of us are worthy to be called children of God, and yet you come down here tonight and become like one of us, reorienting all space and time and showing that this page of your birth is so unbelievably incredible and can remake our entire selves. And it's not for me to somehow earn my salvation. It's only through you becoming like one of us and the life you lived and the dying on the cross, but then the resurrecting from the dead that sets us as a seal of our future salvation. Lord, for those who are here tonight for the first time saying, I want to believe in the Christmas miracle and for Easter as well, for I want to believe in who you are and your testimony, Jesus, I pray that this moment would be so much more than just a moment. It would be a miraculous moment. 
And for those who have been here over and over and over and done this a hundred thousand of times, that they would see this in a different light to behold that each one of the times they have lit this candle on a Christmas Eve service is so meaningful in their overarching testimony. And for those who are looking forward to who they will become and what this Christmas story may mean, it might not be tonight, that may this be the seeds of something growing in their soul to come. For all, God, I pray that this moment would be so symbolic, so important in its symbolism, but also is overarching power, power from the Holy Spirit, that we would not see it unimportant. Lord, I pray your blessing over this prayer and for all who receive it. And we say together, amen.